Sarah, in frustration, says, Look, take my servants, my maid, Hagar, have relations with her, and have a child through her. Now, that just blows us away because that seems like the height of immorality. And I'm not saying it was right. It certainly was wrong. But in that day and age, that was an acceptable moral practice just as polygamy was. Wasn't right, but in the culture and custom of the day, what Abraham and Hagar did and Sarah did was not out of the ordinary. That happened all the time. We are talking about the heroes of the faith today, and you're listening to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. This daily radio Bible class is an extension of Pastor Steve's more than 25 years of teaching and preaching at Lakeside. Abraham and Sarah, by this time, were getting pretty desperate. Having children, especially sons, was highly important in that culture. And these two were getting just, well, they were old. It's no wonder they were willing to take matters into their own hands. The results were disastrous, but as we will see, God still kept His unconditional promise to Abraham. We do that too, don't we? Sometimes we just figure God needs a little help. Maybe He got busy and forgot, so, well, you know, we'll do our part. We mean well, but we forget that God always keeps His promises, and our attempts at helping Him almost always lead to trouble. We might see that happen when someone, desperate for a job, takes the kind of job that God would not approve of rather than waiting for Him to provide something better in His own time. Perhaps we want to get married so badly that we marry someone who doesn't know the Lord, or even worse, someone who is abusive. The list of possible examples is endless, yet we plunge ahead thinking that God needs our help. Well, to put it frankly, He doesn't need our help, especially that kind of help. Well, this is the middle part of Pastor Steve's third message about the heroes of the faith described in Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, that's where we'll be reading from when we begin our class today. In previous classes, we learned that Abraham was a great example of faith. We learned that his faith was active and it was patient. Let's listen now as Pastor Steve describes another major characteristic of Abraham's faith. A third characteristic, Abraham's faith was bold. It was fearless. It was daring. Verse 11 and 12, By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore also there was born of one man and him as good as dead at that as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Uh, There are times in our lives when God puts us in impossible situations, situations that there, there are no human solutions. You can worry about these problems, you can try to figure it out, and you cannot come up with a human solution. It absolutely looks hopeless and impossible. It is in those situations that God calls us to have faith and to trust Him. And that's what happened with Abraham and Sarah. And really, before looking at these two verses, you must understand the background, or these verses will just not have the impact on you. More than anything else in in life, Abraham wanted a son. He wanted a son. 
that was uh, the culture of the day, number one. That was the culture of the day. To, to not have a child in ancient times was a disgrace. It was absolutely a disgrace. People looked at you as if something was wrong with you. Secondly, Abraham's name, as I told you a few minutes ago, was first Abram. Do you know that means exalted father? Do you imagine going through life with the name exalted father and not having any children? If someone said to you, so uh, what, what's your name? He'd probably whisper, Abram. You know, Abram. What was that? Oh, exalted father. How many do you have? None. The Bible says that Sarah was barren. She was barren. It says that in, in Genesis 11, verse 30. It specifically states that. It isn't saying it just because he's, God is giving us information. It's saying particularly that Sarah is barren. She has no children. And then when God called Abraham in Genesis 12, the Bible says that, that the promise is that God will give him many, many descendants. And through his seed, meaning Messiah, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So God said, Abraham, I'm going to take you and I'm going to take Sarah and I'm going to give you children that uh, you can't even count how many children these will be. That's, that's amazing. So from Abraham would come a, a great nation of many sons and daughters, but he didn't have any. His name is Exalted Father, and he has no, no children. For many years, God didn't give Abraham even one child, let alone many sons and daughters. And I'll tell you what, Abraham, though he was the man of faith, was not a perfect man, and there were times where he was quite frustrated with what was happening in his life. Let's hold your place, if you will, in Hebrews, and let's turn back to Genesis chapter 15. Because you must not get the impression that Abraham had perfect faith all the time. No, this was tested, and this is how God develops our faith, by the way. That's how you apply this to your life, because God puts us through tests and brings us into impossible situations in which we are forced to, to fall upon him and say, I trust you, or else be miserable. Genesis chapter 15, watch this. After these things, the word of the Lord, verse 1, came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, well, let's stop here for a moment. There is a frustration there. There is a frustration. He has just gone out and got Lot, his nephew, and brought him back. And he's probably a little fearful that these kings that he's defeated are going to retaliate. And God says, Abraham, don't worry. I'm your shield. I'm your reward. And what's on Abraham's mind? God, when are you going to give me a child? In essence, he's, he's saying, you're my reward, but I want children. Where is the promise? I've got, and I'm reading into this at this point, but he's probably got Sarah at home bugging him. Where is the child, God promised? Where is the great nation? And so he said, Lord, the way it stands now, one servant, the head of my servants, Eliezer of Damascus, is my heir. Is that what you intend? And so God goes on and say in verse 4, Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir. But one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, and this is a beautiful sight, just imagine it in your, in your mind, especially if you have been to the land of, 
of Israel. Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And another place he took him and he said, Abraham, look at the sand here, the desert. Look at the sand. Can you count the sand? Can you count the stars? Neither will you be able to count your descendants. Then verse 6 said, says, Then he believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed in God. He believed his promise. And for 10 years, Abraham patiently waited for a son. And that's a long time to wait for, for a baby. And he grew impatient. And in his impatience, he took matters into his own hands. And you know the story in Genesis 16. Sarah, in frustration, says, look, take my servants, my maid, Hagar, have relations with her, and have a child through her. Now, that just blows us away because that seems like the height of immorality. And I'm not saying it was right. It certainly was wrong. But in that day and age, that was an acceptable moral practice, just as polygamy was. It wasn't right, but in the culture and custom of the day, uh, what Abraham and, and Hagar did and Sarah did was not out of the ordinary. That happened all the time. Uh, I don't think that this was necessarily a lapse of faith on Abraham's part. I think he still believed that God would give him a son. He just thought that God needed a little help. That's all. But God didn't need any help. God didn't want any help. He had his own plan worked out from eternity past. And God wanted Abraham to be in an impossible uh, situation. He wanted to do for Abraham the impossible. The impossible. And so we turn to Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when Abram, exalted father, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And then we jump over to verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, in the meantime, he has changed his name, by the way, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. You know how many children he had? One. Now he has Ishmael. He's still a joke in the community. He's got one. From exalted father with no children to, uh, father, to father of a multitude, and he's got one boy. That's it. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarah, uh, Sarah, I should say, but Sarah shall be her name. That is to say, now she will be princess because she's going to be the mother of many. She'll be, she is a princess. And I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings and people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, laughed, and said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Now, that's a lapse of faith. Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Now, Ishmael is the child born to, to Abraham and, and Hagar. But God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. Laughter. You laughed, Abraham, and later on uh, in chapter 18, Sarah laughs. 
Well, I'm going to have you now, when you have Isaac, you're going to be laughing for joy. His name is Isaac or Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And, uh, and then he goes on to say some other things. I incredible. At first, Abraham laughed because of the absolute physical impossibility of a barren woman, 90 years old, giving birth to a baby. Her firstborn, 90 years old. But God said it would happen. God said it would happen. Even though it seemed incredible, it seemed almost unbelievable, God said it would happen. And that is the background of Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. So let's turn back there. We are going to take a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12 in just a minute. It's kind of a complex little passage, as we will soon see. Pastor Steve has shown us how both Abraham and Sarah had a bit of a lapse in their faith. It's not the first time they'd tried to help God either. Perhaps you remember the time when Abraham lied to Pharaoh that Sarah was his sister and not his wife. But here's a wonderful aspect of Abraham's faith. When he had those lapses, he always remembered that God really would keep his promises. We would like to greet those of you who have just tuned in. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you missed the beginning of class, stick around afterward, and I'll let you know where you can hear it again on the Internet. We are studying the heroes of the faith, and our main text, of course, is Hebrews chapter 11. We are in the middle of Pastor Steve's third message on the subject, and we've been learning from the faith of Abraham for the past several days. Studying Abraham leads us to the book of Genesis quite often, of course. But now we're back in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 11. And here is Pastor Steve. It says, By faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore also there was born of one man and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. That's what God said would happen. They, and they believed him. But I want to explain something to you, because when you look at these verses, they, they at first, and obviously at first, they appear to be referring to Sarah's faith. However, I want to suggest to you that he is talking still about Abraham's faith. But it presents a little bit of a problem, because Sarah is mentioned here. Abraham's name is not mentioned here. But the problem is this. In the original Greek language, and I usually don't like to uh, go into technical things in the Greek with you, but this is important. In verse 11, the expression received ability to conceive is literally, in the Greek language, power for the laying down of seed. And, and what the writer is referring to is the reproductive power of the man, not the woman. That expression, laying, the power for the laying down of seed, is not the function of a female, it's the function of a man. And also that expression is used in every other place in ancient Greek literature referring to what a man does, not what a woman does. But yet it says Sarah. So we've got a little bit of a problem on this. And the solution to this problem seems to be that the writer to the Hebrew is still referring to Abraham's faith in verse 11 and not Sarah's. So without being too technical, let me say to you that some Greek scholars suggest 
that the way this verse would read, and you can very much uh, do this in, the, in, in this verse, is to tr they translate it this way. And I, and I will spare you the technicalities of this, but if you'd like, I'll be happy to, to tell you later about this and show you some commentaries on it. By faith, he, meaning Abraham, in association with Sarah, in association with Sarah herself, received power for the laying down of seed even after the natural season of life because he reckoned the one who gave the promise to be trustworthy. So, he's saying here that it is still Abraham's faith. And, and by the way, that makes sense because in verse 12, he picks up Abraham's faith again. So, whether it's Abraham or Sarah at this point is really academic. Regardless of the difficulties of this verse, the main point is that true faith is bold, it is daring, it is Fearless. That, that's, that's the point. It takes God at his word to do what appears to be the impossible. If ever there looked like an impossible situation, this was it. A hundred-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman, and they're getting the nursery ready. I mean, that's a, a, an incredible situation. But look at Romans chapter 4 and see how Abraham, once he came to his senses after he laughed, and said, oh, they, may Ishmael live before you. Look, look at uh, what his response was. Because true faith works through lapses. And true faith, while it is not perfect faith, because we're human, uh, eventually has victory. Verse 17 of Romans 4. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you in the sight of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist referring to what was going on here. In hope against hope, he believed. It's a great expression. In hope against hope, he believed in order that he might become a father of many nations according to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And I don't think it means that Abraham reproductively was dead, because after Sarah died, he marries another woman, and he has, I think it's like four or six children with her. It just means that the guy is old. But Sarah reproductively was dead. Deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Now this is the kind of faith that God wants us to have. This is not some ancient historical figure who, who was different than us. This is a man who is just like us, men and, and women. This is the kind of faith God wants every one of us to have. A bold faith that refuses to be discouraged by the circumstances of life, but trusts God to do what appears to be impossible. Of course, you have to have a promise from God on this. And the Word of God has many promises to us. A faith that faces the impossible with boldness and, and doesn't deny the facts. That's important, too. You know, some today uh, in certain movements uh, would say, um, if, if Abraham was living today, they would say something like this. Well, uh, Abraham would look at Sarah and say, she's not really old. She just appears that way. She's not really reproductively dead. If you think that she is, she will be. So let's just have some positive thinking. No, I, I love it that Abraham didn't try to do some mental gymnastics. He said, the woman is old and she's dead reproductively and I'm almost dead myself. And he faced the facts. 
That's faith. And he still trusted God. He didn't try to, with wishful thinking, say, no, you just, if you think she's old, she'll be old. She's really not old. He said she's 90 years old. So I think that's important that he faced the facts and he said, this is an impossible situation, but God said it would happen, and I believe him. Uh, I want to just uh, digress here or divert to another, to another thought related to this, because this is what Jesus referred to as mountain-moving faith. Mountain-moving faith, and, and we find this in Mark chapter 11. So let's, let's look there at Mark 11. As I said a few minutes ago, there is so much uh, uh, really heretical teaching about faith today, bizarre teaching, absurd teaching, that we really uh, have to take our time going through this. And we may not even finish with Abraham today. I have plenty of pages of notes, but I, I really want you to understand this whole issue of faith. Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 11 about faith that moves mountains. He said in verse 20, as they were passing by uh, in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Now let me just explain what went on here. The day before, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. It's the last week of, of his ministry on earth. And uh, he saw a fig tree that deceived him. Uh, he, he saw a fig tree that looked like it had plenty of figs, and it didn't. It just had foliage, and it looked like it could feed him, but it did not. And he cursed that fig tree, and it withered. And when we studied Mark, we saw that, uh, that that was really symbolic of Israel. They appeared to be one thing, really have faith back in, in those days, but they had nothing. There was no fruit. They were a barren tree. And the Lord is simply demonstrating what they're like. But that was the day before. And I don't think Peter and the disciples had a clue as to what the Lord was really saying here. But the next day they passed this tree again because they had gone back from Jerusalem back to Bethany and then would travel back each day going back and forth. And uh, they passed that tree again and it said that it withered, verse 20, from the roots up. And being reminded, Peter said to him, that is to Christ, Rabbi, behold, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. See, that, that blew his, his mind away. In fact, uh, in Matthew, it says that all of them were astonished. It shouldn't have. Jesus said, be withered. And Jesus answering or answered said to them, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Now, Peter and the other disciples weren't really interested in why Jesus had cursed the fig tree. What astounded them was how the fig tree could wither so soon. Jesus was a good teacher. He withered that tree and the next day used the situation as a teaching opportunity. He was about to give the disciples some teaching on faith that unfortunately is widely misunderstood today, even though the disciples did not seem to have any trouble understanding the lesson. When we come back next time, Pastor Steve will tell us about that lesson and we'll see what it really has to say about faith. We're glad you were able to join us today for Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981, and the work has expanded to include this daily radio program made possible by Verse by Verse Ministries. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry which is supported by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their local church. Our messages are available for listening online at versebyverseradio.org. You can either listen online or download the message for later. 
You might like to subscribe to our free podcasting service and never miss another class. We also offer on the website a complimentary newsletter, archives of previous radio classes, and additional information about Pastor Steve and Verse by Verse Ministries. The website again is versebyverseradio.org. Now, as I mentioned earlier, today's class was just one portion of Pastor Steve's message on the heroes of the faith. If you would like to hear the entire message at once with no announcements, you can order a CD or cassette by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. And please join us next time as Pastor Steve continues teaching about the heroes of the faith. Oh,